afternoon, this is Ketchell Kirkham with Looking Up, a few minutes in the middle of the week to think about astronomical things. Recently, I've been out and about in my spacesuit, talking to children in pre-primary schools about space. It seems everyone has heard about the International Space Station, and many believe it's the only space station up there, but there have been several. At the moment, there is the Chinese Chang'ong, which at the time of writing is whizzing across the Northern Cape at an altitude of 388 kilometres travelling at around 28,000 kilometres an hour. 18 Chinese nationals altogether have travelled into space as of the start of this year, and at the moment there are three on board their space station. Older listeners may remember the first space station, Salyut 1, launched in 1971 and in orbit for just 175 days and occupied for 24 of those days. The most famous is probably Mir, another Russian space station launched in 1986 and occupied for over four and a half thousand days. If you are a regular listener to this program, you might have caught the news that NASA is to send humans to the moon with the Artemis mission next year. China also has plans to send people to the moon by the end of the decade. And they've already landed a rover on Mars and two on the moon, which surveyed the far side. There, they found large deposits of helium-3 in the lunar regolith. Who owns such things? If the Chinese landed on the moon and find useful or rare and valuable precious minerals, can they just take them and use them for their own commercial purposes? Space activities are for the benefit of all nations, and any country is free to explore, orbit and beyond. There is no claim for sovereignty in space, no nation can own space, the moon or any other body. Weapons of mass destruction are forbidden in orbit and beyond, and the moon, the planets and other celestial bodies can only be used for peaceful purposes. Any astronaut from any nation is an envoy of mankind, and signatory states must provide all possible help to astronauts when needed, including emergency landing in a foreign country or at sea. Signatory states are each responsible for their space activities, including private commercial endeavours, and must provide authorization and continuing supervision. Nations are responsible for damage caused by their space objects and must avoid contaminating space and celestial bodies. So there it is. China has signed up to the Outer Space Treaty. There is, in addition, a moon agreement, but neither the US, Russia nor China have signed up to it. It reiterates that lunar resources are not subject to national appropriation by claim of sovereignty, by means of use or occupation, or by any other means. It also expresses a desire to prevent the moon from becoming a source of international conflict, so that the resources should be used exclusively for peaceful purposes. Military installations are banned. However, national legislations legalising extraterrestrial appropriation of resources are being put in place by several nations, including Luxembourg, Japan, China, India and Russia. While a US national, in inverted commas, treaty explicitly allows commercial mining, other experts argue that these new national laws are inconsistent with the Moon Treaty and customary international law. In case you're interested, South Africa did sign up to the Space Treaty way back in 1968, and there is a South African Council for Space Affairs, and as you may know, a national space agency called SANSA. So, yes, it's interesting, China going to the moon and the US going back probably next year. Well, currently, if you look up into the sky, you will see a thin, waning moon, visible during the daytime, which will become invisible as the new moon by Sunday. Venus and Mars set around half past nine at night. Jupiter will become visible after 4 a.m. and Saturn 
after half past 11 at night. So wrap up warm if you want to see any celestial bodies. For now, this is Ketchel Kirkham wishing us clear skies.